0: The Axe of the Blood God. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamers' official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey, and with me today is my co host, Nadia Oxford. It's just the two of us today. It is. Nope, no Bob. Sorry, Um, but we'll have him back again at some point in the near future.
1: We will. We love him.
0: Kind of covering more random things this week because we don't really have a focused topic, but we've got a few topics. Um, We're going to cover a little bit about the RPGs that we've been playing lately because there actually have been a fair number of them, and then we're going to go into Jeremy's recent article, which you can find linked in the show notes about the campaign to revive suikoden and whether maybe suikoden should just stay where it is <laughs> and finally we're gonna touch on nadia's really good article about the Darkson. um well the i suppose the ethnicity that is in valkyria chronicles yes gonna talk a little bit about that In the meantime, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach me at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or on the underscore catbot. Send us an email sometime. Um, Ask us questions. Um, If you have some topic that you want to hear on the show, let us know. And we will definitely respond. We always enjoy hearing from our fans. And it's good to hear you on Twitter. Yeah, we totally love you. Yes. But in the meantime, Nadia, have you been playing any RPGs lately?
1: Uh, believe it or not, since we last talked, uh, I started up uh, Dragon Quest Monsters 2 Joker.
0: Oh, what do you think?
1: Oh, okay. So for the first couple hours, I was like, oh, this is kind of slow. But then I got the ability to breed monsters, and I haven't stopped mm. since. Uh, it's kind of addictive. Okay.
0: So I last played Dragon Quest Monsters Joker 2 back in 2011. Mm-hmm. So it's been about five years now. Um Yeah kind of refresh my memory on what the uh, on what it's like like what the uh the structure like
1: uh it's very much a mashup of pokemon and dragon quest 5 in that you um capture monsters or quote unquote convince them to come to your side and uh, fight for you uh all the meanwhile you're um kind of exploring this uncharted island uh, there is a multiplayer aspect to the game, but unfortunately those servers are dead, so uh, I'm pretty sure you can't play multiplayer anymore. But frankly, the single-player game has more than enough for you to do, because um, unlike Pokemon, something that it really differs in the fact that you will be switching out your teams very frequently, because uh, when you breed two monsters together to get a stronger monster, those two other two monsters disappear, so... You really can't get attached the way you do to your Pokemon monsters, but if you're giving up a Chimera to breed a big-ass dragon, you kind of get over it.
0: So you kind of, kind of combine the monsters like you do in Persona, right?
1: Yeah. Um, it's, uh, like, it, it's kind of a case where uh, you have two monsters who reach a certain cap or they start leveling up very slowly, so you breed, uh, breed them to make another monster, which starts at level one, but it grows much faster than its parents'. Uh, And, of course, there are uh, tons and tons of guides on how to breed monsters and which ones to breed and how to get the best results.
0: Yeah, we discussed this a little bit, I think, in the last episode, but Dragon Quest's monster convincing system is pretty reminiscent of Shimagami Tensei. Mm -hmm. And the act of actually combining them is also pretty reminiscent of Shimagami Tensei. So, uh, I having now spent a lot more time with the series than i had back in 2011 i can kind of appreciate those parallels but um i came into dragon quest monsters joker 2 back in 2011 as a pokemon enthusiast
1: oh that must be interesting
0: yeah it was interesting because i walked out into this world and if i recall correctly i just saw all these monsters like bonking around and everything right
1: yeah And uh, they act differently according to whether it's day or night. And, of course, you have the huge monsters. uh, And when they're around, the other guys just take off, which I think is a really nice touch.
0: That's what I always liked about Dragon Quest Monsters Joker 2 over Pokemon, which um, always felt more mechanical in its nature, which Mm -hmm. is fine and all. But uh, I found it interesting that Pokemon, which is unabashedly based on Dragon Quest... Um, that Dragon Quest would be the one <laughs> uh, innovating with that formula.
1: Yeah, the, the monsters definitely feel like like monsters, uh, as you say. Pokemon are just a little more uh, mechanical. Um, they're both great in their own way. I mean, I'd hug Pikachu. I'd hug a. I'd hug a slime. I, I love them both. But um,
0: hmm. yeah,
1: definitely the the Dragon Quest monsters feel more like they're out there living their lives. Um, I'm really kind of disappointed that we're probably not going to get Joker three. I I don't know. I haven't heard anything one way or the other. Maybe E3 will bring us a surprise.
0: Maybe, um, but I don't think it'll happen unless Nintendo picks it up Yeah. and decides. It's a 3DS game, right? It is. Well, I I don't think we'll get it unless Nintendo decides to pick it up and kind of dump it onto the 3DS. I hope they do. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, Though Joker 2 ultimately didn't really keep its hooks in me for that long
1: Mm -hmm. it's uh it it is a very uh and like time intensive game uh because there is a lot of grinding
0: yeah uh from a pokemon perspective it didn't really have the depth of pokemon ultimately it was a lot more about collecting and leveling up your monsters right so yeah pretty much didn't have the the team building aspects i suppose
1: no, as as I said, it's hard to get attached to monsters because uh, they either get outclassed very quickly, or you have to breed them to make better monsters. So it's not like it's not like Pokemon, honestly, where you do level up your Magikarp and it becomes a Gyarados and you become really fond of it. Um, it's, it's the monsters are there and then they're gone.
0: So I I said that I kind of came at it from the perspective of a Pokemon player. Well, you've very much come at it from the perspective of a longtime Dragon Quest fan. Like mm-hmm. what what do you think of that wh- of it from that perspective?
1: Uh well, I will say one reason I hope that 3 uh, that Joker 3 gets to us is because um the character models don't look very good. <laughs> mm. The uh, the monsters all look pretty okay, but the environments are kind of repetitive and the character models are not very good, but um the story itself is all right. Um I don't have any problem with that and uh, I, I do really much do very much enjoy the monster collecting even if you know every single monster doesn't make an impression on you but uh, it, it it can use a little more personality because your uh, protagonist is very much the mute protagonist who doesn't mm-hmm. even change facial expressions
0: like they do in Dragon Quest but mm-hmm. uh, I was just looking at my shelf and like kind of pondering the DS games that at the time, looked really good, and I don't think look quite as good anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a few of those. <laughs> it,
0: especially the 3D on the DS didn't yeah. end up holding up super well. Yeah. I mean, certain games do still look really good. Um, I would argue that the Dragon Quest remakes still look quite good. They do. Um,
1: Five and six look fine, and four as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Pokemon Black 2 and White 2 actually end up. Looking pretty decent, but there's kind of a pixely look to like all DS games, not the least because I'm playing most DS games on my 3DS XL.
1: Yeah, same here. <laughs> so it's
0: a it's a lot. I, I guess that's just a consequence of the platform that I choose to play them on.
1: But yeah, there, unfortunately, there's not much you can do about that. Uh, as I said, I am glad that uh, Dragon Quest uh, Monsters, uh, Dragon Quest Joker's, whichever which comes first, is a Dragon Quest Monsters Joker or Dragon Quest Joker Monsters. That game that I am playing right now, I'm glad that they did kind of dedicate all their uh, resources to uh, making the models for the monsters look okay. One yeah, thing they I, looked great. One thing I do like is that they're to scale. Um, like I had yeah. a party with a, uh, gosh, like a little tiny thing, probably a slime or something fun like that, and a red dragon. And the red dragon's huge. And you can see your trainer behind the red dragon. And so you really do get the sense of scale that you don't get with Pokemon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, most of Pokemon's monsters aren't that big anyway.
1: Well, Whale Lord's <laughs> <It>, kind of huge.
0: <laughs> Whale Lord's pretty big. If yeah. you've ever played Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, yes. um, the remakes Omega Ruby. Uh-huh. So at the end of the game, like you find the the cover legendary, um, crap, uh, Kyogre and what's Grondon? his name? Groudon yes. Yes, Groudin. Um, find Groudon and he's like in a lava pit or whatever and he's like raw I'm so big and angry or whatever (laughs) and then your character climbs onto him and he's about the size of a small pony Yeah, (laughs) and you're like uh okay (laughs) he's not as uh, intense and scary uh, from that size he's
1: like yes you're a very very threatening legendary let's go to the store and get some ice cream (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) rawr and
0: he's like I think I can't remember. Like I, I remember the official. I remember the official material saying that Groudon's like thirty thirty feet tall.
1: Yeah, the legendaries. Most of them are supposed to be pretty huge.
0: Now I kind of want to look this up because maybe maybe the game just didn't have it to scale properly.
1: Maybe, so. maybe it was a baby.
0: <laughs> baby Groudon. <laughs> yeah. Pokemon is so weird in the way that it doesn't really say whether a Legendary is actually unique or not. Like, in the show, and I know that the show's not canon, and I can't believe we're getting into this, but in the (laughs) show, they'll have multiple Legendaries.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: But in the the games, like, they're all uniques, and you can't breed them together. But you can get multiples. Like, you can go out and get... I don't know. You can often find, like, a in like, let's say a lot of the games will have ways to capture a previous generation's legendary. Mm-hmm. And so if you kept a previous generation's legendary, you can add it to your collection and have, like, five sweetcoons, which I kind of do.
1: <laughs> well, I would, too. I don't know if you ever heard the story uh, that someone relayed on the internet. It's out there floating around about uh, this kid who grew up uh, with Pokémon Yellow And uh, he played against someone whose mother had bought him like six copies of the game just so he could get six Mewtwo's, and he named them all after Adam Sandler movies.
0: Are you serious?
1: So he was talking about how he got beat by Happy Gilmore. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a hell of a thing.
0: Oh, there comes Billy Madison. (laughs) Jack and Jill's right around the corner.
1: (laughs) Oh, dear. According
0: According to Bulbapedia... Uh Grouden is eleven feet tall.
1: Oh, that's not too huge. So that is kind of pony sized in a way. Not maybe not a pony, maybe more of a Clydesdale. But
0: extremely dense. It's yeah. like two thousand pounds.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, this one kind of like chubby Gruden, I gotta well, say.
1: Don't take him on the elevator, you'll die. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so he's very dense. He's
0: not super tall, but he's extremely dense. <laughs> I like. I keep looking at these numbers and thinking, "Am I reading these wrong?" But no, it's three point five meters tall.
1: Wow! So he's like, that's it. You'd have to duck under the duck his head to get under the doorway. But that's about it.
0: <laughs> exactly right. That's so I think an eleven foot tall Pokemon would be still kind of intimidating, but maybe not the world destroying primal Pokemon that you were kind of expecting.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting. I was thinking like thirty feet tall and you know fifty feet wide or something.
0: Yeah. Anyway, moving on uh, to another JRPG that we both played recently. um, And I have a cat in my lap now. I have been playing Bravely Second still. Mm -hmm. And my update is that I played a whole bunch over the weekend. um, Because I brought my DS with me to a friend's house. And I was watching Bob's Burgers while playing uh, Bravely Second. Really good a really good Brave, uh bobs burgers companion game because you can just sit there and grind while watching the comfort food that is bobs burgers it yeah. works out really well
1: Were you playing on uh easy or uh difficult or normal I I play on normal Yeah
0: So I'm now about 20 hours in or some and my characters are all getting up there in level and mm-hmm. I've leveled up a number of jobs, so let's see. I have a Summoner Black Mage, who is my nice. most powerful, like, attacker right now. Yeah, he would uh, be. He single-handedly wrecked um, a, the two-headed boss. Y- oh. You know what I'm talking about, right?
1: Oh, that thing was a pain in the butt. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about.
0: <laughs> I was able to wreck him because um, I have the Black Mage Spellcrafting. Ability right. like all set, and so I was able to combine that with the summons. Oh, wow! And I w- did something ridiculous like 3,000 damage to one head.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> took care of that, I'm sure.
0: So I just basically nuked one of the heads and then nuked the other, and it was not a problem.
1: Yeah, because I think I had a problem figuring out one was vulnerable to magic and the other vulnerable to physical attacks, and it switches back and forth. But if you can get rid of one in one, in one go, then yeah, that, take, that takes down the challenge a bit.
0: Not only that, like the one that was vulnerable to physical attacks, I could just use a hammer attack.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I can oh,
0: spellcraft it yeah. into hammer and, like, that ended up doing, like, 3,000 damage, and that was that.
1: <laughs> That's the end of that.
0: Exactly. So, I could see how it was a tough boss. Uh, it would have been a really tough boss if I didn't have that, but I had already set up my character like that. Yeah. But I also have a charioteer slash fencer.
1: Oh, that, that'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, because the charioteer is like physical attacker, and then I have the fencer buffs. Mm-hmm. I have a fencer with uh, freelancer abilities mostly, so I can use half seas on my party if I need to. Mm-hmm. Because half seas are a really good ability because is, it is allows you. Yeah, go on. It allows you to hit your entire party with an item.
1: That's right. Yeah, that would be really so, handy.
0: So if like most of my party's down, I can like Phoenix down them. Yeah. Like the whole party or. I can um, like do a high potion heal that will like give back a ton of health, or I can do a remedy to get rid of a lot of the the status effects and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I have a white mage with black mage powers. Wow, so
1: a, a non sucky red mage,
0: which is really useful because the white mage can use. Um, the spell crafting abilities to do a lot of good things with spells. Right. And so like, um, for example, using mist on the party to, with five which will just give back a ton of health each turn. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to, well, yeah, it's mostly just for the healing. Like they, I can like do some really good be- burst healing with yeah. the white mage. And then if I don't have any healing that I need to be doing, um, the white mage can also dish out a fair amount of damage. So it it's it's a good party setup. I I have a red mage. I kind of regret choosing the red mage. Yeah, because, it's not great. Well, yeah, I just I, I think that the red mage's abilities are good at the end of the game. Yeah, because uh, there are certain abilities that are like, oh, you can choose, uh, you can cast a spell without, like, you, make, you can maybe cast a spell twice, or you can mm-hmm. cast a spell um, without using any MP which is awesome and all but i right now like the red mage just feels like kind of a compromise between two compromised
1: yeah exactly and uh, i will say though their outfits are really cute
0: i totally agree and which yeah. is why i wish i had an excuse to make a red mage
1: yeah <laughs> i find I, I face that dilemma a lot with bravely second it's like well i want to use this job but this job has a cuter costume exactly i i love the
0: um So I got the, I forget what it's called, but it's the one that can do the status boosts.
1: Oh, the astrologer or astronomer? I can't remember. Yeah. It puts
0: puts all the boys in a dress, which I find pretty cute, actually. Yeah,
1: they're all really cute. And they all, like, the red mage has the big rose and the uh, the merchant has the big hat and the the bling clock. It's just too
0: much. Yes, I love the outfits. They're terrific.
1: They're pretty amazing.
0: But yeah, like I said, I wish I had an excuse to use the red mage, but... It's like the red mage is a decent physical attacker and a decent, uh, a decent a combat spellcaster and a decent healer. Mm-hmm. But individually, the black mage, white mage, and like the the physical attacking classes are all better.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So don't particularly feel like compromising. And the red mage gets some better spells at the outset, which I think kind of balances a little better. But I don't think they're so much better that it makes it worth um, abandoning, say, the summoner, which is yeah. a lot better in this one than they are apparently in Bravely Default.
1: I meant to build a summoner, but I never got around to it. And I I, I wanted to because the summons look like a lot of fun.
0: Mm, yeah, they are fun. Especially, and God, they're so useful for area of effects attacks. They can hit like a hammer if you're hitting the right... Um, uh, the right weaknesses, elemental mm-hmm. weaknesses, so. Yeah, exactly. But I am in the middle of a side quest right now and I am off to get the white mage, I guess, um, which is different from the bishop.
1: <laughs> yes, the, the bishop and the white mage are different, same as the wizard and the black mage are different. It's it's kind of interesting when you have these nuances going on.
0: I don't know why they're different, but I guess I'll find out. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Who did you choose? So, I don't know what the choice is on that one. What did you choose?
1: Uh, let's see, like, who did I have for my parties, generally?
0: No, no, when you, um, when you had the choice between the white mage, like, because the white mage is a sub-quest that yeah, you can get remember, a party, a job.
1: I'm trying to remember who the choices were. There was, it was versus the white mage and the, shoot, I can't remember. But I'm pretty sure I, cho- I chose the other character because I already had a bishop.
0: You already had a bishop. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of inclined not to choose a white mage, but I'll admit, whenever I get to that point, um, I always Google it just yeah. to see <laughs> what I'm getting. So I, I spent a long time deciding between uh, the summoner and the other class. Yeah, and the other matter. class sounded really technical. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the merchant. So you picked the oh, merchant. That's right. Okay. Well, maybe a merchant would be a good idea. I don't oh. know, like, how I would get it in. Because I'm pretty happy with the combination of stuff that I already have. But maybe I would turn my fencer into
1: a merchant. Oh man, that'd be like a killer merchant. That'd be awesome.
0: I think the thing is, is that as much as I'm enjoying Bravely Second, I've actually started skipping large swaths of the story.
1: Mm -hmm. Like, are you uh, skipping it in favor of the subquests or vice versa?
0: No, like the dialogue.
1: Oh, really? (laughs) A, 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 A?
0: Yeah, because I... I I don't know, like, it can be really charming at times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, very, very anime cutesy.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%.
0: And if you just kind of accept it for what it is, like, it can be a lot of fun. But it's not really, there's not really anything there beyond that. And I got kind of tired about them yammering on about, The crystal guard and blah, 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 (laughs) this and that. And what the empire was doing 10,000 years ago. And what's going on on the moon. I I think it's the most fun when um, the main characters, when the main character is kind of sniping back and forth with the moon girl who speaks French. (laughs) Magnolia. Yeah, I love Magnolia. She's great. Yeah. She's She's a lot of fun. Um, But beyond that, it's like, eh. You really have to in be in the mood. terms of the story.
1: You to, do. Like, sometimes I go through the... Like, sometimes I felt like really going through the journal where it's really funny when they're kind of writing back and forth to each other. And then sometimes it's just like, uh, I don't feel like putting up with you guys. I do love you all, but I've really got to be in the mood for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then also, like, I've planned... I was playing through some pretty tough dungeons. Mm-hmm. And so I was focused more on my job, like, kind of layout, and then also... Well, like basically optimizing my party, leveling my guys up. I've discovered that the sub quests are basically mandatory because unless you want to grind, yes. uh, the main dungeons are going to be too high a level for you to just tackle outright. Like I tackled one where that the I tackled a level twenty four dungeon at like level twenty two, and I made it all the way to the end. But the boss was, like, just destroyed me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Although I found that later on the subquests weren't so mandatory in that regard. But early on, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I, well, well, right now, so, but it's fine because I, I want to do every side quest anyway because I don't want to miss out on any jobs.
1: Exactly. So you kind of have incentive to do them. And there's usually like kind of a story element attached to them, especially uh, if you played the first game, you recognize some of the characters.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: if you didn't play the first game, don't worry, they bring you up to speed.
0: You know, I don't think you need to play the original game.
1: You really don't. Um, because they, they go through the... Uh, they, they kind of give you a summary of what happened uh, anytime it's necessary. So you don't really have to stress about that.
0: The story is more or less irrelevant to me, so I don't really care what happened in the that first too, game. too, it,
1: it's not exactly hard to follow.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. And like the moment to moment character interactions and just kind of the beauty of the world. I mean, I love looking at the city, like the art for the cities. Yes, like they are. The, yeah, they are. Just gorgeous. Yeah. And even in the Kewpie doll characters have grown on me too. Yeah, they're cute. But in terms of, like, the actual really sustainable world building, eh. Yeah. The villain looks like Tuxedo Mask and he has, like, a fairy or something.
1: Yeah, his name is Kaiser Oblivion and you pretty much get what you expect.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, all, basically what matters to me is that I can build a settlement on the moon or something. Mm-hmm.
1: It, yeah, it's kind of a, um, a play on what you could do in the first game where you rebuilt Tiz's town. But the yeah. idea is pretty much the same and it is kinda cute because you can see little people walking around.
0: Yes, and I can obsessively collect jobs and slowly but surely optimize them.
1: Exactly. If you like like the if you like to customize your RPG experience, like the game provides endless opportunities for you to just get into it.
0: What kind of scared me off Bravely Default was a lot of people saying Uh yeah, like once you hit a certain point you have to do a lot of grinding. And I was like, ooh, I don't really want to do a lot of grinding. Uh, I heard this becomes kind of a drag. Oh, it starts repeating a lot of bosses. Okay. Um, Then I'm not going to put that much time into this since I wasn't super impressed by the story at the outset.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, the second game, uh, I don't think it was uh, very grindy at all. But that's a matter of opinion. Some people might feel differently. So far,
0: I have not felt like it's been grindy. But I'm in, like, chapter two. Yeah. So... And, and to be clear, like chapter two's a pretty decent amount into the game at this point. So because yeah. chapter one, the prologue alone is like five hours.
1: Yeah, it's not short.
0: No, it's not. And there are, actually aren't that many chapters. But so, yeah, uh, I think chapter four was when the grinding kicked in in Bravely Default. Uh, so maybe there's more grinding, but so far I haven't really seen it. Mm-hmm. And especially because you have the, the option to keep, fighting and get double experience
1: that is like a a big uh, uh a big help in grinding and i don't think the first game had that and i think didn't yeah i think that makes a big difference because not only is it fun to do but it really does give you a massive experience bonuses
0: yeah, it's really helpful, especially, like, once you get to the point where you have a pretty good handle on a, a particular area's enemies, mm-hmm. like, each area you'll walk in, and initially you'll be like, oh, crap, these guys are way more powerful, Ah, oh, I can barely handle them, I have to do so much healing when I'm done with them. Yeah. And then you get to a certain level, and you get certain abilities, and you figure out what their elemental weaknesses are, and you're like, oh, this isn't so bad, okay, exactly. I can handle these guys, yeah. so... Anyway, uh, Bravely Second, I have been enjoying, though I'm going to have to put it aside for a little bit because um, we just got code for Odin Sphere mm-hmm. which I think may be out now. Um, at the very least, the review embargo is up. Yeah um unfortunately there was a bit of a snafu and atlas didn't get us the codes on time thank you <laughs> sorry john <laughs> i i don't mean to be harsh on you but you guys are cool uh, no we we still love you john it's okay but yeah so we got the codes and i i've just installed it and i've started to play it for review and i've played through the first chapter so so there are multiple characters in odin sphere and the game starts with you playing as Valkyrie, which I'm totally okay with because Valkyrie Profile is one of my favorite games ever. I never played it. Uh, you really should. And though it's kind of hard to find now.
1: It probably is, yeah.
0: Which is a shame because it, like, it, I, I, I really wish that at a minimum it were available on PSN. Mm-hmm but it's not, nor will it ever be, it seems like. So Boo. you'll just have to content yourself with spending $100 on a couple of discs. I'm on my way. Yes, exactly. So, but no. Uh, so yeah, I like the whole Valkyrie thing, even if it's totally different from, from Valkyrie Profile. And you're fighting across a battlefield. <laughs> and uh, it's 2D, and it's a side-scrolling game, and it's a beat-em-up. Nice. Which uh, is kind of in keeping with what Vanillaware generally does with its games. It's a beat-em-up where you take the souls of your enemies and use them to fertilize mulberries. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I didn't know what to expect with this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the mulberries give you experience. Oh. Yep. Delicious. So. Delicious. The beat up part is just okay so far. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, anything super special. Um, and I think it's because it's kind of a tutorial yeah. stage, but it's been really easy so far.
1: Beating up people is easy.
0: Yes, well, I've, I've basically been able to work my way through the first, like, couple bosses and, like, lots of enemies without even really being touched hmm So, um, like, you fight a big dragon at the end of the first chapter, and you... Basically, I was just jumping behind it and whacking him until he, like, turned around, <laughs> and then I jumped behind him again, did the rinse and repeat. But it's beautiful. Right. It is a gorgeous game. Um, y- you see that, like, literally the second that you turn on your Vita and you start playing this game... You see this girl go and pick up a book from the bookshelf, and you walk over to her chair and open it up. And the animation of this character is so impeccable. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh god, this game is amazing looking. But maybe not as good looking as Dragon's Crown, actually.
1: You know, I've been meaning to play that one, and I haven't gotten to it yet.
0: Dragon's Crown is a great game to play with your friends. I don't have, in my opinion. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I wouldn't recommend necessarily. So, so, here's the thing: you can well, you don't really have a Vita, do you? I
1: don't. God, um, ah, I, 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 I have been looking into that though.
0: Well, it's it's better on the PlayStation Four in the sense that you get a much better appreciation for the visuals, and right. you, um, and the online's a little bit better, and it doesn't. And the Vita version has frame rate issues at times. Mm-hmm. But it's a grindy kind of game, especially at the midpoint. Right. And in that regard, it's the kind of game that you kind of want on your veto.
1: Yeah, I can see why. Grindy but games are better on handheld.
0: It's very much a co-op game. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why you want to play with your friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll find some where I'll play with my cats. Or my husband, I guess. I beat
0: the final boss in Dragon's Crown. Really enjoyed it. Um, and then the game's like, great, you beat the boss, uh, now do it again. Do they give you an like,
1: incentive to do this again?
0: Uh, more leveling up. Why not? Yeah, and I'm like, eh, I don't really want to. <laughs> the good news is that you can play with random groups, but Odin Sphere, or not Odin Sphere, Dragon's Crown is a few years old at this point, so I don't... People have
1: moved on a bit
0: I now. think people might have moved on yeah. a little bit from Dragon's Crown. Um, I don't think it was all that popular outside of a small group, in the U.S. at least, but I really liked it. And I, I think that it looked a little better, at least in terms of animation, if not necessarily character design. Mm-hmm. Where I I think the Odin Sphere left is... I think the character models, like, you can see the vestiges of the PS2 look. Yes. Just a tiny bit. Just, yeah. Just a little bit. Like, the ad- like the backgrounds are amazing. And, like, the presentation is phenomenal. And most of the time, the characters look terrific. But uh, the actual main character that you're playing with um, made me think back to the PS2 version. <laughs> Not necessarily a bad thing. No. I just you, think Dragon's get- Crown looks a little better.
1: Yeah, you get the nostalgia combined with the uh, new stuff.
0: Anyway, uh, Odin Sphere, let's see, Nadia, I gave you a PS4 code. You yes, to install so I'll, it. Be,
1: I'll be playing that very soon.
0: Yes, and we will be talking about it at some greater length next week, um, which will be our last episode before E3, which That's is right. completely
1: terrifying.
0: Oh my god, I don't even want to think about it.
1: We'll get through it, I promise.
0: All right, so let's talk a little bit about an article that Jeremy's written for the site recently. It is about the fan campaign that has been recently happening on goodoldgames.com to revive Suikoden. That's um, right. On the one hand, to make the games more accessible. Um, it would be nice to have them on the PC, for example. Yes. Um, and not just on console. Uh, this is not a like a pc snob like standpoint this is more of a i want this game to be available to everybody to be able to be played
1: absolutely the more the better
0: like it would be amazing to have Suicidin 2 on my pc um in addition to my playstation 4 in addition to my uh playstation vita Mm -hmm. like i just want everybody to play this game essentially everyone
1: should play it it's fantastic
0: i finally got around to playing it last year for our u.s gamer club
1: oh you've never played it before
0: I did not. Oh, that
1: must have been... I'm envious of you, that you got to experience it for the first time.
0: I played the original Suikoden, and then I moved into Suikoden Two, and I was just really impressed by Suikoden II. Uh Like, in terms of the world building, in terms of all the characters, uh, in terms of the story, um, I-, I loved all the recruiting mechanics, even if they... It was kind of BS that the one character, like, you had to... Like you had to solve the mystery and it was timed or else you wouldn't be, or else the trail would go cold and you wouldn't be able to recruit that character. Oh,
1: I think I know who you're talking about. Was that the, um, the gunslinger character, right? I'm um, not Clive, uh, the chick that he likes. I, I can't In remember. In all
0: honesty, I don't remember.
1: But I know who you're talking about. And yes, it is. But, yes.
0: Yeah. And
1: also I actually thought
0: the main ending was more realistic.
1: Yeah, the the good ending, quote unquote, is a lot of you a lot know of wish what? fulfillment. Yeah, it really is, and kind of sad too, in a way. But I can't get, I can't even get into it without talking about spoilers.
0: Exactly. But in in any case, uh, I actually wrote about it fairly extensively for U.S. Gamer Club, so you should go and look that up. Maybe I'll include a link to that in the yeah, show absolutely. notes. Yeah, absolutely. But the point is, I really, really liked *Sweaking* two. And I was not as much of a fan of Suikoden 3.
1: No, me neither. Um, like I said on a previous show, uh, I went f- to Suikoden 3 off Dragon Quest Eight, and that was a bit of a downgrade.
0: <laughs> I became aware of Suikoden because of Suikoden 3. So Suikoden 3 came out when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And. So, so when I was a teenager, back in the 90s, I played PC games mostly. Mm-hmm. And I did not get a PlayStation 1 until 2000. So I was playing a lot of catch-up to that point. Right. And so I was not aware of Suikoden Into*. and I think by that point it was maybe a little rare at that point anyway. It
1: probably would have been, yes.
0: I think I might have been able to find it if I had made a concerted effort to look, but I didn't become aware of Suikoden Into* until it was already worth more than $100, it was impossible to find. Mm-hmm. And that was around the time the in Three came out. Right. And so, but, like, the very notion of weekend in Three was, like, really intriguing to me. I'm like, 108 stars of uh, thingies? Uh, that sounds really, of Destiny? That sounds really cool. Uh, like, all these characters to recruit and lots of stories to find and, like, a castle to build. Um, I'm all in. Like, mm-hmm. give me this. This was coming out off Valkyrie Profile. And then... Um, uh, I, I didn't own a PlayStation 2 at the time, so I didn't get around to playing Suikoden 3. But Suikoden 2, uh, like in 1 and 2, always kind of stuck in my mind, and I always had intended to play them, and I was glad to finally get around to that last year. Uh, in 2, I think, it really benefits from the timeless sprite work. T- it really the sp- does. The sprite work is so incredible in that game.
1: It really is. Um, there are just so many moments that are so... Uh, Heartrending in that in that game, just because they took the, the time to animate these these different sprites and these different animations, and it just it just gets to me that we'll never see that again.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and the fact that it 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 does a really good job of building up the relations uh, the core between the core cast. And it does making certain betrayals like legitimately shocking and making you want to understand why it's going, why that happened. Yeah.
1: I know, I know the one that you're talking about and I was just, I was just gobsmacked when I saw that.
0: And of course it has a completely amazing villain. um, It does. As we discussed in the, the best boss battles episode of acts of the blood God. And like, it works on so many different levels, but Uh, As we all know, Suikoden was not so great after 3. Suikoden 4, notoriously one of the worst games in the series. Yeah. uh, In part because the creator ended up leaving the series and taking his particular vision with him. Um, The last game that his vision was kind of incorporated into was Suikoden 3. And then Suikoden 5... Kind of re- righted the ship a little bit, but certainly didn't rise to the level of two or even three. Yeah. And then uh, Tear Tearcris, which I have not played, but is by all accounts terrible.
1: I think a, a friend of mine gave it to me. Like, we kind of played a game of hot potato. Like, you take it. No, you take it. No, you take it. So I don't know who has it now, but I never played it.
0: Our mutual friend Shivam is one of the biggest suikoden fans i've ever met yeah um he has a giant suikoden 3 poster oh in his my home. god
1: i'm so jealous of that thing
0: yeah oh. it's awesome um because say what you want about suikoden 3 but the box art for that game was amazing
1: the character art nothing wrong with the character art
0: absolutely not and he hated suikoden tier chris so
1: <laughs> so there is <was> no hope
0: <laughs> he was legitimately let down by it but i don't
1: blame him poor guy
0: but now, uh, fans of the series want it to come back. And frankly, I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's your take on that, Nadia? Uh,
1: in a perfect world, I'd like to see somebody buy. Some, I'd like to see a company that, who cares, buy the series and do right by it. Because I really do think if Konami thought to make a Suikoden game again, it would not be anything like what any of us want.
0: What do you think it would be?
1: Probably some mobile free to play thing. <laughs> no,
0: don't say things like that. I know, oh, it's I've a already horrible, seen that.
1: Horrible blast I've ar- for me.
0: I've already seen this darkest timeline unfold with Valkyrie profile, and you've seen it with Breath of Fire, Fire, and uh, it's, it's but just I, not great.
1: I honestly don't know where else they would go with it. Um, because it's not just a matter of, oh, well, Konami doesn't care anymore. It's a matter of Suicoden hasn't been good for a long time.
0: I think what Suikoden fans want is for them, is for Konami to go, we have seen the light. And we've, oh, that determined, be- we've determined that Suikoden is a, a franchise that deserves like millions of dollars and a huge team. So what we're going to do is make like the best looking RPG. It's going to put like Final Fantasy 15 to shame. It's going to have this huge world. It's going to have all of the characters and you're going to be so happy. And it's going to tell this epic story. And we've brought in, like, the best developers. And by the way, Hideo Kojima is made up with us <laughs> and is back. And we've also got Igarashi, and he's back making Castlevania, and everything is fine now. And
1: then we all wake up.
0: Yeah, pretty much. But unfortunately, Konami is not like that. No. If you're not super familiar with Konami, so... uh Konami is huge. It's like this giant conglomerate yeah and one of the weirdest things that I saw when I moved to Japan was like I saw Konami everywhere and I'm like oh wow Konami is very popular well that's because it's also like a gym organization it's like the equivalent of like 24-hour fitness in Japan (laughs) so you see Konami fitness centers everywhere and people will be like toting around Konami stuff kind of like Nike right yeah so it has a lot of different interests outside of video games, and that includes Pachinko. And we just found out that they're making a Metal Gear Pachinko business.
1: Yeah, they are. And uh, they have also have, like, the Silent Hill Pachinko machines, and uh, they're really into gambling and gyms, so they don't really have to be into games.
0: No, and unfortunately, they won't sell off their IPs, because why would they sell off their IPs? They're still going to make the money. Yeah. But as a result, Gradius... Um, like all of these classic, classic games are just going to allow to be allowed to rot, and I think as a gamer, I like find that really painful, and that goes for Suikoden as well.
1: Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's really silly to even say this, but it's the way I feel. It, it's a kind of a betrayal in a way because. Castlevania and all these games, they were so important to me when I was growing up. And then to see this company that made them literally throw them aside like into the garbage can and just, without so much as a second glance, it's its kind of heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a real shame. And so in that regard, I don't know if we really want konami to revive suikoden because i don't we, think they would do a good job we
1: probably don't at the very very least the only thing i'd really get cautiously optimistic about is if they announced a uh, a remake of like say one and two because uh, one thing i really would love to see from suikoden two is a better translation
0: mm, yeah that that would be really nice but the, at the same time like so uh a remake can be a double-edged sword. That is true, actually. Like, is- an HD remake with, like, completely redrawn sprites would be incredible, and I would love that.
1: Yeah, that's what I want to see.
0: But it could also turn out to be ugly.
1: It really could. It could turn out to be, like, uh, awful, gross, like, pseudo-sprites.
0: Yeah, exactly. It could be, like, 2.5D. Blech. Um, It could be... It, it could kind of be bastardized and get like, the story could end up being bastardized. Like, it could be... It could go wrong in a lot of different ways. It really and could. I, and I think the original Suicidin 2 is so good anyway that it doesn't really necessarily need that kind of treatment. It holds yeah. up really well.
1: It does. You're absolutely right. It's just a matter of I'd like to see revised, revived interest in the game itself, but... Absolutely. I think, like, just
0: like I would love to see revived interest in Valkyrie Profile. Like, we want to see our favorite games thrive, but mm-hmm. we want to see them... Thrive in the right context, which That's is true. why I think that the absolute best way to go about a new Suikoden game at this point is to give it the Stardew Valley treatment.
1: Yes, I, I would buy that totally. I
0: think a lot of people would buy it. I think that a that a new Suikoden that uh, was really that was made by an indie developer that captured kind of the classic storytelling and the in the world and the huge number of characters to recruit with that really good sprite work, mm-hmm. it would go over phenomenally well.
1: Yeah, I- I'd play it, that's for sure. Um, it's a is a pretty amb- ambitious project, though, like Stardew Valley is by one person, and it took him, what, four years or something like that. So uh, so some ambitious indie out there. Come on, get started. Don't let us down.
0: Yeah, but Stardew Valley showed that there was a real appetite for a new Harvest Moon game that was kind of in the classic mold mm-hmm. and really, really well done. Because we sure hadn't been getting that from Natsume. No, unfortunately. With all due respect to Natsume. Um, So, as a result, like, word of mouth and everything and positive reviews, like, propelled this game kind of to the top. And it was, like, everything anybody had wanted. And it made us realize how much we had actually missed having a good start, Harvest Moon game.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think the same could be done for Suikoden. Because, frankly, I don't trust Konami anymore.
1: No, um, at this point, uh, if Konami announced they were doing something with speaking it in, it'd probably cringe and like just look like a like a dog that's been beaten. Just kind of eye them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know the only Konami game I play anymore is Pro Evolution Soccer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they care about that, as, far, as from what I hear.
0: Yeah, because it still goes over pretty big in Japan. Yeah. Um, I wish they would invest a little more in that series. Um, like I'm I'm not going to go too far down the sports rabbit hole but one of the reasons that dis- despite arguably not being as good as Pro Evo in terms of graphics and gameplay mm-hmm. like FIFA had EA's FIFA has it just destroyed in terms of licenses right like of it's course. not even close right and and while licenses aren't everything, they do actually make a lot of difference in terms of realism and presentation and making me want to get into it. Right. Like I said, it's not, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but even even Pro Evolution Soccer doesn't really get the investment that it probably deserves.
1: Yeah, that's really too bad. It is
0: too bad. But in
1: any case, um, any other thoughts on Suikoden? Uh If you haven't played it, it's, uh, it's on uh, PSN now, isn't it?
0: Um, it is you can get it on PlayStation Network it took forever for Suicidin 2 to get released yeah, on PSN because they were legitimately concerned about the localization and they were like oh but the localization is terrible
1: it's not and, the worst but it's not the best by any means but it's definitely passable
0: uh, it's not as bad as Final Fantasy Tactics
1: oh god that's legendary bad but uh, yes. the only huge complaint I have about and uh, 2's translation is somebody loved their punctuation marks Good lord. Don't we all? (laughs) Exclamation mark, exclamation mark.
0: So, I suppose the last topic that we're going to talk about a little bit, you wrote a, uh, well, I considered it a pretty profound post on your blog, uh, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games. Um, and it was about Valkyria Chronicles. And you spoke from the, uh, uh, on the Darkson, who are kind of the game's um, uh, sort of minority ethnicity who um, kind of, well, I mean, they're the game's Jewish population, essentially. Yeah,
1: basically. Uh, since uh, Valkyria Chronicles is an alternate universe, Second World War, uh, of course, we have the Second World War, you've got the Jews in there because, you know, there's the whole Holocaust thing. Uh, So, I wasn't really expecting that, to be honest with you, because, uh, like I said in my piece, um, Japan and video games, uh, you don't get that many Jewish characters. Even in the West, you don't get too many uh, Jewish characters in video games. So, uh, I figured at some point I'd see some sort of Jewish equivalent in uh, Valkyria Chronicles, but uh, I was kind of surprised when I met the Darkson and just saw how much of the... Jewish struggle, as it were, what was reflected in them respectfully and carefully.
0: Now, I think it bears saying, if if you don't mind, that you are in fact Jewish. I and am. so tough. you have a, a really personal like like take on this one.
1: I do. And
0: it uh and the darkson in this in this game, um, they're primarily I suppose, differentiated by their hair color.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, I guess they had to go with something. Um, because, uh, in, uh, speaking personally, my grandfather is actually a death camp survivor. He was in Auschwitz. He was in Dachau. Uh, my grandmother, she has a really interesting story. She, um, her whole family survived uh, because of, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Raoul Wallenberg. No. Um, he basically got them all uh, fake passports. He saved a lot of Hungarian Jews, and he saved I them see. as well. So, uh, I am kind of familiar with, you know, the, uh, the really dark side of the concentration camps, the the war and, and all of that. And of course, uh, not all Jews have dark hair, but they kind of had to have an identifier. So I guess they went with what they could. Uh, I guess, especially since the dark sins don't have last names, but that's how you basically know who, if someone's Jewish is by their last name, usually, mm. not always. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was just, uh... It, it, like I said in my piece, it's not just a matter of they were victims and martyrs. The darksins fight alongside you, and I, I really appreciated that. Like I had um, mostly darksins in my in my troop, to be honest with you, the, uh, your troops in general. Uh, one thing I found really interesting, I mentioned this in my review as well, is that um, you have your characters, your quote unquote good guys. They have the some of them have the darksin hater detriment where, as with all status detriments, if you're afflicted by it, your your stats are lowered. So you have this, basically, that's the game's way of reflecting anti-Semitism as it is. And it's really interesting that they didn't restrict it to bad guys. You have these people on your team who hate Synth as much as anyone else.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, I, and I think that's maybe kind of crucial. But also what's crucial is that they made... Um the darkson character who is best friends with um Welkin who is the main character mm-hmm. really sympathetic um yes. maybe the most sympathetic character in the game
1: Yes uh and that's Isara right
0: Yeah she she um is really mistreated a lot of the time even by her own allies mm-hmm. and at the same time though she like perseveres um she's really strong she's really resourceful um, and, and you see that from the very beginning of the game. And so uh, you just like naturally really like her. You and
1: uh, Especially since, uh, well, the first thing she does is take a gun out of another soldier's hands when he's pointing it at her. <laughs> so that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> uh, but the, like in the game's lore, if I recall correctly, the Darksons are blamed, like personally blamed for a particular event. Mm-hmm. Was it the destruction of the Valkyria? Was that it?
1: Uh, just basically, uh, I I forget what they called it in game, but basically it was like a big catastrophe that resulted in hundreds of thousands of deaths. Um, I figured it was supposed to be an analog to uh, how Jews were blamed for the plague.
0: Mm. So, oh, were they? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, uh, they were, uh, if they weren't blamed for it directly, then they were like suspected of it because uh, they kept, because uh, of keeping kosher and stuff like that. They kind of naturally kept away from, they, they didn't have the death numbers that the, uh, the rest of, the, of Europe did. So naturally, they drew some suspicion for that.
0: Yes. Well, oh, Okay, I didn't know that. But I guess that makes sense. And that's unfortunate. But so one thing that I kind of take away from this, um, and you really should go read the article is that you don't see games deal with identity and ethnicities very often, because it's kind of a a radioactive topic a lot of the times (laughs) and if you get it wrong you are potentially putting yourself in for a lot of criticism Mm -hmm. so I found your perspective on how Valkyria Chronicles um, decides to have its allegory for the Jewish population and and how like you saw that and it was heartening to me that you liked that it was kind of um, not ignoring that aspect of what happened in world war 2.
1: Yeah, um it doesn't really it's funny because valkyria Chronicles is generally not the happiest game, but it's kind of a lot more cheerful than you'd expect from a, a game about a massive war. <laughs> but yes. it, well
0: there is a beach party scene.
1: Yeah. But uh, someone mentioned that like, hey, that's the rate of concentration camp. Oh boy, beach party. But um generally it's uh it's, very, it's a very balanced sort of look at you know, what Jews went through uh, in, in, the, in Europe at that time. And not just the whole genocide aspect, but also they were there. They were in the armies. They fought. Um, hmm. And they're in your army and they fight. And um, one thing I also mentioned is the, uh, the Darkson bond uh, status boost, which you get when two, when two Darksons or more are like, together together. Um, I kind of equated that to the bond that Jews honestly feel between each other, even if they're not religious. Because I'm, I'm not a very religious Jew. I'm very, very bad at that. But you know, even if someone is a very religious Jew or a, a very secular Jew, y- you still feel that that bond to a very strong extent, and it, it's kind of inexplicable.
0: Yeah, I, I speaking as a queer woman, I can totally re- relate to that mm-hmm. feeling of being able to bond from somebody um, who is in my particular group. Exactly. And as for RPGs, like taking kind of a closer look at like issues of identity and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, Persona 4 is an interesting case. I know that you haven't played it, but it, it it's come in for some criticism because people interpret it as being anti gay at times.
1: I've heard about that criticism, yes.
0: Because one of the main characters, Kanji, is convinced that he's gay mm-hmm. and has a, like, is convinced that being gay makes him, I, I don't know, weak or like um, effeminate. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- from what I'm able to gather, the game, or from what I'm able to gather, kanji is not gay kanji is just he has some effeminate hobbies like sewing and stuff right and so the game is actually it seems like the game is criticizing this this notion which is a lot more uh is a lot bigger deal in japan where Mm -hmm. like gender roles are a lot more like solidified right that a guy that if a guy is sewing then he must be gay.
1: Right. So is that like, is it the game making the commentary on Japanese culture or is it just like, Hey, this kid is gay because he likes sewing sort of.
0: It's commenting that, yeah, Kanji likes to sew and that's fine.
1: Okay. So it's not really like, I'm not gay, so I can't really speak for others, but that seems like a a good message then that he's just a guy who, who, who likes, you know, to cook, to sew doesn't necessarily mean you're gay.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that they could have toned down the gay panic just a little bit. <laughs> but I'm not really surprised that that's a, that's that that's going to appear in a Japanese game because um I I can say having spent some time in Japan um that uh like issues have progressed a little more slowly over there and right. it's a lot more invisible over there. Um so are, and it's kind of approached in a different way over in Japan, so I'm not surprised that like gay panic might be a trope. So, so I, I think the the basic the basic um, argument about um, ag- against like estab- like solidified gender roles is pretty sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it goes the same way for the other side um, with a character who you initially think is male. And is like a detective and everything, but is eventually revealed to be a girl. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you think is, oh, this character is transgender. Right. And the game even alludes to that, like, um, in her dungeon and suggesting that, like, maybe she's going to get the the surgery and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But part of a, a large part of her arc is coming to terms with this idea of, You know, if you're a woman, you can be a world's greatest detective and a woman. You're not weak if you're a woman. It's cool, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can kind of identify with that quite a bit, I think. Um, and, And it was heartening to see her kind of like come away from this idea that being a woman is inherently weak.
1: Yeah, that would be good to see.
0: Like, initially, I'm going, where is it going with this whole transgender thing? Right. But I think that's kind of beside the point. Like, it was more of her being self-hating.
1: hmm Absolutely.
0: Like, they make her identity pretty clear. Like, they make it pretty clear that she is, in fact, um, self-identifies as a woman, mm-hmm. but that she was hiding it away because she was convinced everybody would find her weak. Right. And, like, I can identify with that in the sense that when often when I'm online, like, gaming, I go out of my way of not, like, mentioning my gender.
1: Oh, same here. (laughs) You're not alone in that one.
0: It's a no-win scenario, right?
1: Absolutely. No.
0: (laughs) Anyway. uh, So, yeah. uh, Maybe it's a little bit different in that regard, but I... Like, I, I think maybe Persona 4, in some ways, did for me maybe what Valkyria Chronicles did for you.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I, could, I can agree with that. Um, and either way, I do want to uh, give praise to Sega for uh, doing that with Valkyria Chronicles. Because, um, as I said, Jewish characters do not appear in Japanese-made games. So the fact that they gave you know, some representation, plus they did it well... I really appreciate that, and to hear other Jews who have gotten in touch with me since they read that article, um, they they largely agree with me.
0: And with that, I I think that the I think the moral that we can take away from this is that you should go play Valkyria Chronicles and Persona Four.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty much the the entire message.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you should listen to Acts of the Blood God, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever RPGs are sold please rate and subscribe to us. It really helps our visibility. We really appreciate it. Um, And you should also know that you can find us on From Us to You, which is our Mm -hmm. flagship podcast. It's our video podcast. Our production values have been increasing week to week. They have. I know how to do like fancy transitions now. I'm so excited. It actually looks like a professional thing that I'm doing now.
1: It does. It looks really good. Uh, Kudos to that.
0: Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. But Nadia and I are both on that episode, or Mm -hmm. both on that show. In the last episode, Nadia's conversational topic was the new Mega Man cartoon. Yes, it was a good time. (laughs) We have some things to say about that. Just a few. Just a few things. But in the meantime, you can find Nadia um, on Twitter at Nadia Oxford. Mm -hmm. And you can find her on our blog, um, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games, where... Mm -hmm. Um, the aforementioned Valkyria Chronicles blog can be found. Is there anything else you would like to promote?
1: Uh, basically uh, anything I write on US Gamer is fair game. I'd love to hear from you anytime.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I, as I record this, I am in the process of writing about why I'm so freaking hooked on Far Cry Four, or not Far Cry Four. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> Fallout Four. Yes. So you should go check that out because I, I think that. It really cuts to the heart of why i've been into this game
1: and uh a year ago from this recording that's when the game was announced so uh
0: wow. celebrate yeah a whole year ago that's yeah. crazy it feels like that game's been out forever i know but i'm ready for another elder scrolls now So like, i'm ready I. to go it. out and fight some more dragons and like build a medieval settlement with houses that aren't crap
1: <laughs> made out There's of my, like blasted ma- materials
0: you yeah, know well If There's one thing that drives me crazy about Fallout 4 settlements. It's that you find, like, these prime settlement locations. But, like, this really awesome house that you want to build on has, like, a shattered roof. (laughs) So the sweet um, meeting room that you want to make is, like, open to the elements. And you're like, "Uh," there's no way to, like, unless you use mods or you're really, really good at um, clipping the, the game engine and scooting in like your own roofs, uh, mm-hmm. there's no real way to deal with that.
1: I could see a, uh, a a roofless boardroom becoming a problem when a rad storm comes in.
0: Yeah, just a little bit. Um, the castle that I've developed has an, a nice house and it's missing half its roof. But luckily, <laughs> the first floor is actually enclosed. So I was able to put a nice little bedroom in there. Oh, that's nice. Yes, it is totally nice. But yes, go check out that article. And of course, stay with us. As we continue to make more new episodes of Axel Bluga, we'll be back next Friday, probably talking about Odin Sphere Letrasir, yes, and maybe talking a little bit about E3 and what is to come. And hopefully we do an, at least one episode during E3, possibly even two, though we're going to be very busy, so we'll see what happens. Indeed. In the meantime, I've been Kat Bailey, and also we've had Nadia Oxford... Thanks for listening Thank and until you. next time, happy adventuring.